This is Christy Balsells. I'm the Executive Director of Mito Action, and I am pleased to be speaking this morning with Guy Miller, the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Edison Pharma. Guy is a MD-PhD and has been actively working on finding a treatment for mitochondrial diseases for the last couple years and has some exciting news to share with us. It's worth mentioning that Guy is also strongly grounded not only in research but also with patients and is associated as clinical faculty at Stanford University and is also an attending physician on the medical surgical ICU there. Guy, I really appreciate the passion, the commitment, and the knowledge that you bring to the mitochondrial disease community, and I'm excited to talk with you this morning to share with our community um, this exciting news about A0001. So why don't we go ahead and get started. You can tell me a little bit about you and Edison Pharma's interest in mitochondrial disease. Yes, uh, great. Good morning, Christy. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to reach out to uh, all those patients uh, and family members who are supporting patients and, and also care providers uh, that are linked to uh, to your organization. Uh, my background, as you cited, Christy, is as a uh, MD-PhD, and uh, I'm on the faculty up at Stanford, uh, seeing patients in the uh, medical surgical uh, ICU at the uh, the Palo Alto VA Medical Center affiliated with Stanford. Uh, the uh, the focus of Edison is a long-standing uh, passion of, of mine from a research perspective, which is energy metabolism, and understanding how uh, energy metabolism is regulated. And of course, near and dear to uh, to your heart and, and mine as well is uh, the the most um, uh, vivid example of when it breaks down is in mitochondrial afflicted patients or those with inherited mitochondrial disease where, where there is a primary disruption in energy metabolism. So it's a pleasure to uh, to spend a few minutes this morning with you telling you about uh, Edison and, uh, and where we're heading. So there's been some exciting news this week, Guy, and um, it's a real milestone for the mitochondrial disease community. It's called A0001. Could you talk about what that is? Yeah, so, Christy, as, as you know, uh, Edison's commitment is to developing first-line therapies for mitochondrial disease, specifically inherited uh, respiratory chain disorders. Uh, A0001 is uh, Edison's first work product, and it is building on a wonderful foundation of knowledge that has existed around coenzyme Q10. So A0001 is a analog or chemically modified form of coenzyme Q10, and it is changed with regards to two fundamental properties. It is uh, modified in the tail of the molecule, which is uh, by and large responsible for what we refer to as a pharmacology or the absorption properties of, uh, of CoQ10. But also quite importantly, uh, it's modified with regards to its electron transfer or redox properties that reside in the head of the molecule. So what we've done is to effectively uh, develop a molecular toolbox of compounds uh, built on the promising data that has been had in mitochondrial patients with CoQ10 to ask a, a fairly simple question, which is can we design a tailored or improved uh, version of CoQ10 to address the discrete uh, disruptions in energy flow in the electron transport system. And so A0001 is our, our first product out of the pipeline. Uh, as you cited, Christy, correctly, uh, A0001 hit a, a really wonderful milestone on uh, 
on July um, 11th of this year, and uh, our co-development partner, Penn West Pharmaceuticals, uh, not only successfully had their IND accepted by the United States Food and Drug Agency, but we also began uh, first uh, human dose with uh, healthy volunteers, and 10 subjects were dosed on uh, the 11th and to date. Uh, today, as of Friday, uh, roughly about a week later, uh, we have had uh, no uh, adverse events, so we're keeping our fingers crossed, and uh, it is really a milestone for, uh, for mitochondrial patients. So, exciting news, and I'm sure the question then that bubbles to the top amongst the mitochondrial disease patient community is, within the spectrum of mitochondrial diseases, who could benefit from this novel and exciting treatment? Yeah. That's a great question, question, Christy. Um, you know, we, we can't um, uh, be clairvoyant here, <laughs> so it's a little bit hard to uh, to speculate. But um, our uh, our belief basis, you know, from the um, from the top level is this: Edison has been pursuing a, a very simple, uh, we believe, well thought out thesis. It is that uh, we have defined a spectrum of patients as being what we refer to as CoQ10 responsive. And what we mean by that is that there are patients who, as part of the standard uh, therapeutic regimen, are given uh, CoQ10 either alone or in combination uh, with other uh, cofactors and, um, and compounds, uh, which are sometimes referred to as the mitococktail. And what is frequently seen uh, in patients receiving CoQ10 or the mitococktail is um, sometimes soft and sometimes actually quite profound clinical changes, but, but usually uh, we see clinical signs of, uh, of benefit. And so the first folks that we would expect to uh, benefit from one would be those that we refer to our, as CoQ10 responsive uh, mitochondrial patients. And uh, Penn West uh, will be targeting, and has not yet uh, formally announced, uh, and won't for some time, the exact uh, mitochondrial population that uh, that we'll be targeting. However, I, I think it's fair to say that our initial focus will be on uh, broadly on those patients who have shown uh, some signs of um, either biomarker or clinical benefit having received uh, CoQ10. That's very exciting, and I think that this is going to have an impact, I imagine, for the future beyond just what you're doing right now with this um, phase one trial of H401. What are some of the possible impacts for the future as a result of this really groundbreaking milestone? Yeah, you know, the, uh, the, the number one impact we see here is that um, one can develop drugs tailored for rare orphan uh, mitochondrial diseases. And uh, we see the, uh, the technology that Edison is opening up to effectively uh, develop a cornucopia of redox-altered uh, CoQ10 analogs and extending that into other therapeutic areas as being a, a, a real uh, you know, flag in the ground here. The, uh, the most important uh, aspect in, in drug development, especially in developing a uh, first-line therapy for a drug, is to integrate uh, successfully a discovery, translation, development, and regulatory enterprise. And I think if we could hang our hat on one aspect of uh, Edison's mission, it is to do that. And we are focused, as a, as a company should be, on integrating those activities. And the, the real mind 
milestone here is that we believe, and obviously much more work to be done, that to successfully develop a drug, one needs to first have a, a strong thesis on the discovery side as to why a particular chemical is being used, what is the rationale. And for us, that, that clearly is that there are CoQ10 responsive patients, albeit the clinical effect of CoQ10 in many cases is not profound. Uh, secondly, the, the question arises as to how you begin to translate uh, if one has a discovery of a, of a new CoQ10 analog into the clinic. And Edison is working very closely with academic leaders, foundations, uh, the NIH, and private practicing clinicians worldwide to, uh, to decipher uh, the, the latest uh, translational tools that will allow us uh, to do two very important things. Uh, the first thing is to develop biomarkers that are reflective of energy metabolism and also the mechanism of action of a drug. And why this is critical, Christy, is that the development of biomarkers are crucial uh, to determining, especially in a first-class uh, drug, one, the proper dose to give a patient, and two, to get early signs of potential clinical efficacy, or hopefully not, but if it did occur, not clinical efficacy, so that resources could be placed elsewhere. And then third in the process is to begin to take that learning about the drug dose and its action to design a very um, strategic and uh, well-placed uh, phase 2B pivotal trials. So from Edison's perspective, uh, we see A0001 as being a, a wonderful example of um, the partnership that we have with Penn West Pharmaceuticals in bringing forward uh, a first-generation drug into the clinic for mitochondrial disease, number one. But most importantly behind it is that this is not a one-off exercise. This is an exercise of creating effectively a, uh, a process whereby patients should and, and will expect to see uh, a pipeline of therapeutics emerging from medicine where we are focused intently on the discovery, the translation, and the clinical development exercise. And Frankly, from our perspective, uh, Christy, that is uh, really the, the most exciting aspect of this uh, of this venture right now. So there's a there's a momentum that you're building then for the future, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I imagine that this is going to change mitochondrial medicine. Already, we're seeing mitochondrial disease and the idea of how mitochondria affect the body more and more in the news. What's your prediction about where we'll be with mitochondrial medicine in five years? Well, uh, I think this, we are really at the tip of the iceberg. Uh, on a daily basis, Christy, there are announcements being made uh, implicating uh, again and again the mitochondria and the pathogenesis of unexplained diseases. Uh, just this morning, there was a wonderful announcement uh, in a uh, clinical trial of a mitochondrial-targeted medicine uh, in Alzheimer's disease and previously uh, the week before targeting also Huntington's disease. Uh, we believe we're at the, uh, the tip of the iceberg and uh, that the the learnings afforded to Edison by having the wonderful opportunity to work closely in inherited respiratory chain diseases, uh, or as they're frequently called, sort of mitochondrial diseases, really referring to the genetic bona fide versions of these diseases, really allows Edison to do two things. Uh, first and foremost, allows us to help these patients, and, and that is that is our charter, that is our mission, that is our passion. Uh, closely behind that is the ability to 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 gain key learnings in that we believe children and, uh, and young adults with mitochondrial diseases effectively are genetic roadmaps 
they teach us very clearly about how energy metabolism and metabolic control is set forth in a biological system. And so we think it's going to be an exciting time for mitochondrial medicines, and uh, our, our passion is to leverage our understanding from these, uh, these key learnings from studying inherited mitochondrial diseases into a whole array of, uh, of diseases and individuals who could equally benefit uh, targeting neurodegenerative diseases and other diseases of aging surrounding the really holy grail of biochemistry, which is metabolic control. How does a cell make and regulate energy metabolism? So give us just a little bit more information about that because that's something that we hear often and might be confusing for mitochondrial disease patients. How is a drug that targets mitochondrial diseases such as inherited respiratory chain defects related to other diseases of aging that are not related directly to the mitochondrial defects but are diseases that we hear more commonly like diabetes, for example? Yeah. Uh, Christy, the... Um Science moves in, in waves, and in the 1940s and 50s, uh, all through the world, uh, the, the passion of investigators were to understand the biochemical basis of life, and that magnificent understanding gave rise to a compendium of, of enzymes and their, their functions and their integrative uh, actions. Uh, in the 19 50s uh, and early 60s, we began to shift our emphasis to understand the genomic basis of, uh, of life. And a, a very prescient uh, observation was made by uh, scientist Daniel Atkinson, who was one of the early leaders in uh, metabolic control, uh, when asked, uh, did he believe that biochemistry uh, was, was out and was uh, a lost uh, art? And he said that after they figure out the genome, uh, they will, of course, have to figure out what genes do, and his thesis was is that many of them would be involved in, in wonderful things like metabolic control. Um, there is, as you, as you well know, uh, Christy, just fantastic examples now uh, of companies emerging looking at this concept of metabolic control. Uh, Sertris slash GSK uh, has identified a set of uh, proteins involved in metabolic control called the sirtuins, and the key observation that was made there is that the regulator of sirtuins is effectively intracellular redox or electron transfer state inside the cell. And so what we're beginning to understand is through a partial description of the action of sirtuins and other metabolic control pathways in the cell that governing metabolic control is the cellular redox state. And that function, the cellular redox state, and how a cell maintains that, modulates that, is critical to not only the function of the mitochondria, specifically respiratory chain diseases, but also can lead to key insights in how a cell makes and regulates its use of substrates and products in intermediary metabolism, leading to, for example, states such as diabetes or potentially other diseases associated with aging, such as cardiovascular disease. The reason that children with mitochondrial disease are so... Uh, 
uh, illustrative of this process is that when you think fundamentally, Christy, about children with mitochondrial disease, frequently I will describe them somewhat um, at, at a top level as being accelerated aging, not in the sense of a genetic um, description of other diseases that truly are accelerated aging, but that many children who have mitochondrial disease present with many of the types of signs and symptoms we see in the elderly populations, congestive heart failure, uh, blindness, deafness, stroke. Now, while the etiology is, uh, is certainly in many cases different, the key clue is there that when you have defects in mitochondrial function, the adaptive environment of organ systems begins to deteriorate, and these children or young adults present with many of the, the common phenotypes of these diseases. So I think as we look forward, we're going to see a very exciting landscape. We're going to see one where we begin to really understand the chemistry behind things like the sirtuins and metabolic control, and we're going to begin to make key linkages between, as Dan Atkinson's described, as the genetic and biochemical basis of disease, and, and that's the frontier. Linking maybe three or four of your questions together, uh, Christy, the ability to have a drug like 8001, which can modulate it, will begin to teach us about uh, the behavior of these systems. The key observations of conducting well-understood uh, biomarker studies, not only in these diseases, but also as part of natural history and progression studies, will allow us to translate further. And then lastly, for our academic collaborators, the ability to put these two things together will allow us to build a, a much more uh, rich composite picture of how cells make and regulate energy and this uh, holy grail of uh, science of what regulates energy metabolism in health and disease will begin to paint a, a clearer picture around that. That's an excellent explanation, Guy, and, and thank you for that. So in terms of logistics, what is the timeline for when A0001 will actually be used with patients who do have a mitochondrial disease, and where do you anticipate those patient trials will be centered? Yes. Uh, so, Christy, the, the primary responsibility for that activity resides with our um a wonderful co-development partner, Penn West, who is, uh, I can assure you, doing uh, everything uh, that they can to expedite this process. Uh, it probably is helpful for me, Christy, just to set expectations uh, for um, for yourself and um, and it families with mitochondrial disease, and that we've already been fielding some questions on how we can move faster and, and why, in comparison to, say, other clinical trials, um, uh, A0001, at least at the outset, looks like it might be slower. Uh, the path of, of clinical development is a well-prescribed path, and it's prescribed in the United States by the U.S. Food and Drug Agency. And a, a drug goes through, um, ostensibly, three or four different phases of development. There's a, a preclinical phase where you gather the safety and manufacturing data on a, on a compound in animals, and you show that you can manufacture and you file what's called an investigative new drug application. And then, usually following that, uh, you go on to demonstrate safety and healthy volunteers, and a byproduct of that is the understandings of uh, some basic pharmacology processes. And that's where A0001 is right now. Uh, in a general sense, uh, the, uh, the Penn West team will be advancing A0001 through that phase one process 
uh, as they announced uh, last week, uh, which will take them uh, the better part of the uh, the balance of Q3 and Q4 of 2008 to complete a Phase 1A study. And once that data is assembled, they'll begin to plot uh, forward the strategy to uh, to complete safety studies and to start uh, human um, uh, patient clinical trials, which will take place uh, in 2009. Uh, we have been asked uh, by folks, uh, why did we have to do, uh, or why did Penn West have to perform safety studies? Uh, for example, other drugs that have been around, for example, adivinone, um, had not had to go through a phase one study. And the reason being is that uh, A0001 is a, is a first generation drug. It has uh, not uh, been in uh, systematic uh, phase one studies uh, in the United States. And this is a well-prescribed path by the, the Food and Drug Agency that, uh, that, generally speaking, there aren't exemptions to. So in terms of setting expectations, uh, what uh, the mitochondrial community should expect to hear is uh, reportings on the safety trials ongoing uh, from Penn West. And then ultimately, uh, as I mentioned very early, is uh, early on in the interview, is that um, we expect to see, again, a pipeline of compounds uh, coming out of the organizations focusing on, uh, on inherited mitochondrial diseases. This is the, the first of what will be uh, uh, multiple uh, therapeutic uh, interventional strategies. So, Guy, thank you so much. And on behalf of the mitochondrial disease patient and parent community, you know, we'll continue to look to Edison for, for our hope for the future for our children and for our loved ones. If you could give a message to the children and the adults who are struggling with the symptoms of mitochondrial disease, what would you share? Well, just to, to let everyone know that, uh, as you know, Christy, uh, you, the, um, the world uh, of these patients and families is a challenging one. And uh, we wake up every day uh, thinking about uh, how we can develop a drug to, uh, to be a first-line therapy. You're not alone. There are many you know, wonderful uh, physicians and uh, foundations and uh, university and NIH directives. And there's a, a wonderful web out there, which we've been fortunate to be, uh, to be part of. And while sometimes it's uh, certainly very uh, isolating to be not only with a rare disease, but certainly to be caring for a loved one who um, might require, uh, in some cases, around-the-clock attention. Uh, the message we want to send is there's a, there's a fantastic community of people, and they're working literally night and day uh, doing uh, the best they, they clearly can to, uh, to try to change the course of mitochondrial disease. And uh, we are proud to be a part of that community and uh, are, as you can imagine, uh, very excited about this first step forward. Excellent. So, Thank you. This is Christy Balsells, again, Executive Director of MitoAction. Today is July 18, 2008. I've been talking with Guy Miller, MD, PhD, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Edison Pharma. And keep a, keep a watch on the web, edisonpharma.com. Thank you again, Guy. Appreciate the time that you gave to us this morning. My pleasure, Christy.